0: This is the Epic Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. My name's Eric Knoth, and I'm so excited to be with you today. Epic Life is a faith community that empowers people just like you to grow, create, give, and lead so that you can make an impact in this world for Christ. You can learn all about us what we do at epiclife.org. Today's podcast episode is with Ashley Millat, and Ashley is one of the greatest leaders I've ever known. People who work with her get utterly transformed. She leads powerfully, confidently, and above all with humility. I got a chance to sit down with her and talk to her about leadership development, motivation, and so much more. This episode has so many amazing truths that you're going to want to save this episode so you can listen to it multiple times. I really hope you enjoy it. I know you will. So let's go. So I would love to know a little about what you do now. Maybe you can kind of fill people in who are not familiar with you about your life, what you do, and just a couple remarks about your personal life.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I currently work at WebConnects, so I've been there.
0: It's a shady company, isn't it? Yes. So shady. Don't
1: Google us or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I work at WebConnects. I've been there a little over eight years, I think, and I've watched our team grow from four or five of us to almost now pushing 30, so I think we'll probably hire our 30th or maybe get to 35 by the end of the year. We'll see. Um, So that's really fun, really exciting. We have an amazing team that we get to work with every single day. We really enjoy just going to the office and and being with one another there. Uh, Outside the office, I'm married and I have a two-year-old daughter with another one on the way. So that's another really fun thing. Um, Free time, I love mountain biking, learning, growing, exercising, all those things.
0: Now, I just loved how you glossed over, we went from five employees to almost 30, because it's really a lot of your doing who the company is now as a result of your leadership. And maybe you can add a little more information on your kind of role that you do with this little company that has
1: grown sure. so dramatically. Sure. Yeah, I help um, along with our team. So I help with some of the hiring of our team and, and staff. So. Whenever we've kind of seen a need, we've um, we put people through the ringer, people who want to join the crew. So we actually invite a lot of people on our team through the hiring process that they get to sit in on different interviews and um, um, kind of the the analyzing of people, if you may, as, as they're coming through the, the hiring process, because it's really them and our team who's going to be working with any of these new people we bring in every single day. It's not just me. So we love to have the input. We really believe and trust in the people on our team currently, and we value their insights and opinions and um um, things that they might have on, on anyone that might be joining. So we want to make sure they're, they're all on board with it as well.
0: Now these interview processes, uh, I've heard the CIA has come to you and asked about how you do such good interrogation <laughs> tactics. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the interview process uh, what you do is, is pretty amazing, but I would love to talk about leadership a little bit and ask you first off, how do you define a leader?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people, when they think of leadership, they think that it might be something, you know, authoritative or, or positional. Um, and I get, I get where all that comes from, but really at the, the, at the core of it, I believe it's really something, it's, it's a mindset and it's a heart position. Um, that there's a ton of external things that take place when you are helping to lead people, but really those external things are influenced with what's happening within you. So at WebConnects, it's actually been really fun that we've helped to develop a culture that really causes people to, to question what in the world is happening there behind those walls. So oftentimes we run into other business owners and maybe they've met or known some of, the, some of our team members. And when they talk with them, you know, they rave about loving going to the office, loving working at WebConnects. And it, and it often causes those business owners to wonder what in the world is going over there. Like you're working in technology. People are responding to emails and picking up phones and coding. Like how is that so enjoyable? And so they've actually asked us out to coffee from here and there. And, um, and you know, they bring a list of questions to try to dive in and, and undercover and pull back the layers of what is the secret sauce here at WebConnects that causes people to love coming to work. And oftentimes their questions will sound like, you know, do you guys have year-end reviews for your employees and what do those look like? And then I'll respond and say, do you have a year-end review for you? You know, and does your team evaluate you? Um, they'll say, what types of metrics do you use to measure your team's success? You know, and their, and their progress and, and productivity. And I'll say, I'll usually stop them and say, well, do you even know your employees' spouses' names? You know, or do you even know your employees' children's names or how old they are or what's going on? Like, what are they dealing with outside the office? And, and they'll often ask too, like, do you feel like your your staff respects you and your company's vision? And th- these are real questions that we've been asked. We'll just say, it's, you're, I get where you're going and I get your heart behind it, but you're asking the wrong questions. You know, these are all productivity-based and not relational. And that that with us, it's not, We for the longest time, I don't even know that we measured anything that our team actually did, that <laughs> we just cared about them as people, and they cared about the company in turn. Um, And he's like, Oh, that's, that's good stuff. You know, like where, where can I get that book and, and read about that? And, you know, I was like, it's, I didn't learn this in a book. You know, I learned this from leaders who went before me, you know, that, you know, if I was dealing with something challenging that I can come in their office and cry on their couch all day, and it wasn't about productivity and what was happening that they just cared about me as a person. Um, In our office, if people come and they're, you know, quiet or off that day that we're not just basing it, what's your productivity output looking like? You know, that we know, hey, maybe their kid has been sick all week and they're tired because they haven't slept or their mom's sick or whatever, you know, that it's more relational based. so we just really feel as a leader especially in our team and, and we're building up just all the different people on our team are our, our leaders that they lead the little micro teams or different areas of our company that it's really what are your motives so you know I'll usually end it with this of If you want to grow in your leadership, it's really you need to start with yourself, that it's a self-evaluation of what are my motives? What am I doing here? Why why am I doing this? And really check your heart to make sure that you have the right things going on internally to where you can go start executing the right things externally.
0: Fantastic. I could ask about a million questions from that answer. I'm curious from you. We are in every state and position of our life. We look to somebody who's leading us. There's levels of authority in every phase and stage of life. What do people want in a leader?
1: I think people just want to know that you care. Team members don't want to feel like they're just a means to the leader's ends. You know that if you ever see someone and they kind of their team member or employee and they feel like they're being used, there's this resentment and kind of resistance that starts to build between like any tasks that they have to get done. And but when you see it, when leaders truly care about their team members as people and they give them a voice and they give them, they empower them and trust them to to do what they need to do. Um, People will do just about anything to help fulfill that leader's vision that they want to, you know, the leaders in our team, you, you know, our team will work after hours and they'll work on the weekends and we'll do these crazy things go above and beyond just to fulfill the vision. It's not because they love technology or they love our, our clients, which they do, but it's ultimately because, you know, we believe in you and John and your you guys as people that we want to support whatever it is that you're doing. Um, same like ministry wise, like we have a whole crew of people who would, you know, follow and do anything to help make this ministry work because they believe in, in the heart behind it in your heart for them and how much you guys care about us as people that you put you know, relationship over results and everything that we do.
0: Can you talk about your opinions on whether anybody can be a leader? Like the most I could ever want and try to become a doctor, I would fail. Like, I don't, it's not possible for me. Can you talk about what you believe in terms of leadership is leadership, something that you are, you know, naturally ability to, to become, can anybody become a leader what is your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think anybody could. And I think when we become believers, we're called to do that, that we're called to have the right heart position towards people to give you know our best towards people and pull out the best in them. Um, but will everybody become a leader? I don't believe so. And will everybody be a good leader? Like, definitely not. And I think it's because people are unwilling to kind of self-evaluate and be really honest with where their heart's at with that. And, and people are unwilling to put people before performance or relationship before results, that they're gonna be more results driven. And not that they couldn't eventually get there, but I think people are unwilling to.
0: When I think of leaders, I think of the extremes. I think of the great leaders and then think of like the really bad leaders too. And unfortunately the memories of the leaders who squashed me are more memorable than the leaders who really championed me can you talk about what squashes people for people who don't want to become a bad leader? You said it's like i kind of inevitable that there's going to be a lot of people who are bad leaders. What are the things that leaders do that can take the wind out of sails and squash people?
1: Yeah, I think some leaders are, are threatened by other people doing really well sometimes. So, um, why? <laughs> so I think some leaders, they get in like, they see it more positional. So they are kind of like work their way to the top of the rank. And if anyone the goal of a leader like is to build other people up around you like if other people are doing great then you're doing great you know that it's not about you you're kind of like deflecting that empowerment to other people but I think people feel threatened by that at times and so if they are maybe helping others you know rise up the moment they start to rise up they feel threatened and they start to push them back down and um
0: be too be awesome but not too awesome
1: exactly (laughs) I know that's exactly right so I think kind of the, the squashing of dreams happen when people start to relinquish that empowerment and they start to feel threatened and they start to, it, it comes out in different ways, you know, squashing, maybe telling them they can't do it or, or taking, um, like taking tasks or empowerment away from them. But I mean, on the flip side, what I think in, encourages motivates empowers people is when you can tell people that they can do it. You know, I think people way underbelieve in their own potential. And so you know when when you're kind of pulling that potential out of people um and calling it out of them that it helps them rise up so it's almost the the opposite of you know there's some leaders that are just like you can do it but not that not to that degree that i can you know so they almost put the ceiling or a threshold on someone but yeah i think a lot of it, what happens in our team is people underestimate their own potential so we we help pull that out of of everyone, like you're such a visionary, you know, and you can call that out and anybody in our team, you know, they leave a meeting with you and they feel like they can conquer the world, which they can. Like, we really believe that in the people that we hire. Um, and so we just continually are trying to find different ways that we can pull that out of people, give different pieces of empowerment, different pieces of the company that they can just run with based on what their giftings are and, and potential is there.
0: So a leader has kind of two extremes because one, it's calling what's in you out of you But then there's this kind of correcting, guiding, pruning, there's a confrontational aspect to leadership that can kind of feel squashing too. How do you balance those two things? Like, are they contradictory?
1: Yeah. So I guess if done wrong, they can be contradictory. Um, That was an area I always shied away from for a long, long time. And that was probably one of my toughest and still is biggest challenges in in helping to lead people is the confrontation side of it. Because I'm such a people pleaser. And so... You know, oftentimes I think my biggest missteps have been when I've allowed my people-pleasing tendencies to supersede my leadership abilities. And so I have these moments where I might see something happen or hear a conversation take place, and I know that I should address that, but the people-pleasing side of me will—I believe these lies that oh, if I do that, it might be awkward, or they might feel squit, you know, squashed, or they might feel discouraged or whatever that might be. So I might avoid it, but really being. Avoiding that, letting it go longer is not actually being kind. So, you know, we all know now that the, there's a difference between being nice and being kind. So I think of being nice, but that is actually not being kind to them, not to the team, you know, because if something's going wrong with one person, our team is so tight knit. So if anything is off kilter, it impacts the entire team, whether that's not addressing a conversation or maybe not letting someone go soon enough, which we refer to as you know, helping someone pursue excellence elsewhere. You know, there's times where you need to do that sooner than later, and there have been times where we've just let that go too long. And really, you know, it falls back on me for avoiding that situation. So really, at least for me, that, and I think a lot of us that that's an area that we, leaders can often grow in is being able to address things much, quickly, much more quickly um, and in a loving way, because there's a way to help correct someone, but they can actually leave feeling really encouraged. And I think that's how we grow too and i think growth is what keeps people really engaged and excited about their job i think when when they get in a role and they just feel really stagnant no one's giving me input or feedback it can just get boring and just become you know like a a hamster wheel but when we're being challenged you know by someone that we know really has our best interests at heart that we're willing to receive that feedback you know more openly and and make changes and and feel good about what we're doing
0: brilliant i usually watched a transformation of people who join our team, competent people, great people who turn into these like superhero people, you are part of that stage at every level. What builds people up? So when I look at, you know, some of the people you work with, I just, I see people thriving. I see them empowered. There's this, this transformation they undergo. What are the ingredients that build people up to become these superhero, you know, kind of types that I've seen develop under you
1: yeah I think it goes back to just caring you know that they're not they don't just come to work no five steps come on (laughs) they don't just come in and just do work you know that you usually can't come in and, and be on our team without also having your life you know um I don't know, without pouring your life into it. And so I think something that's really unique about our office is that we encourage people to bring their whole selves to work, that they don't need to leave who they are at home or who they are in ministry or who they are with their friends, that that doesn't need to be left at the door, that they bring it all in and that they can be, honest and transparent and vulnerable and we do these things where you know our team different people will break off and just go take a 15 20 minute walk you know all throughout the day we'll take a couple a day and we'll try to go with different people and it's just time when you can just stroll and chat about life and ask questions and a lot of st- we get to know each other on, on a more intimate level in those times um and so i think just caring about them offering you know input or advice. yeah exactly and it, what's so fun is that, you know, when one person models that, I mean, our whole team is, is like that now, you know, um, our support crew, we all sit at a big, large farm table and we joke that, you know, if you come in and make a comment of about your personal relationship or, you know, a kid or, you know, your child, whatever it might be that you're probably going to get some input about it, you know, and it's just all these people on our team that are just calling the best out of each other. And we have incredible, incredible people on our staff that, that are willing to do that. And it's really makes it really fun.
0: How do you balance that from being their direct authority to then having the relationship credibility with them to speaking in their life about relationships? It occurs to me that you you, you can't just have it be a one-time occurrence that you're developing over time, but you have these walks and these these times with people that are these really deep relational life encompassing conversations that I think to many people look and say like this is not the how how does an employer (laughs) and so does a direct oversight have permission to even say these things and develop that how how have you done that
1: we probably should give a disclaimer that everything spoken in this podcast is not HR compliant (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know I think you just start small and you just start you know, just slowly building that relationship and over time, like extending trust. Maybe I think oftentimes I'll, I'll start with sharing things about me that are maybe more vulnerable or, or being transparent in those ways. And it, you know, opens them up. And then, Oftentimes it isn't just two of us walking, it'll be three of us walking, and we'll see other people maybe dialoguing back and forth. And it just kind of sets the stage of this is a safe place, that I can share different things. It's not going to be held over my head or used against me here, that we can we can have a level of friendship and relationship outside of just being like a, you know, boss or employee kind of role in, in any at any capacity across the company.
0: One thing that is famous about those who you lead in the company culture is that it's great company culture. What's the difference between good company culture and bad company culture and how do you tell the difference?
1: I think great company culture, I mean, yeah, you can have ping pong tables, you can have you know, a full stocked kitchen, all these different things. Those are just peripherals to to what the actual vibe and and culture is. I think it's having a place where people, like we had said before, can bring their whole selves to work feel heard and understood and seen like those are some of the core things you know if you just feel like you're constantly being overlooked if you don't feel like anyone understands you if you don't feel like you have a voice or input to influence anything that's happening in the company you're just a number and with us you know we're we're still only 30 people so maybe large organizations I don't know how this scales but you know, anyone could go to you, you know, as a co-founder, John, or, you know, our, our CTO or anyone, and they can have a direct influence on our product, on marketing, on sales, on, on anything there. And we invite that because I think that one of the most important things with building a culture is investing a lot of time into the hiring process and that the moment that someone steps in our door they're already granted a certain level of trust. And so it's not like, hey, you have to be here 90 days to earn this trust. Like more trust will, you know, we're not going to necessarily set that very first day person up with our biggest account, but but you are given a certain level of trust right out the gate based on what we've evaluated through our hiring process. And I think that that just continues to grow as people are there. And we continue to further empower. We entrust people with different things, probably even more than they feel comfortable with at times of like, hey, you've been here. A month or so you should run our help center or you should run our blog or these different things like maybe it even at times can feel more lofty than they're ready for but I think that's what stretches them and grows them and makes them feel really like they believe in me in these different ways and sure we might hand something off and someone newer might not get it to the degree that we did, and there might be a learning curve there, but in the end, they're gonna have more time, focus, and heart into that one piece of the company that they're gonna be able to run further and faster than we did. Um, And I think that's part of leadership too, is getting people to where we've gotten much quicker than we did. Um, And so, yeah, I think to concisely say it, just to give people, have them feel heard, have them feel seen, give them a voice, and help to them to work to their giftings in whatever role they're in.
0: We have in our office in Under Your Leadership this kind of work hard, play hard too. It's not just about doing a job, but there's this kind of atmosphere that makes work not feel like work. How did you develop that? And what are some of the things that make work not feel like work?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to putting just relationship over Results in the sense of people get it backwards. They focus solely on results and first, and then just expect relationship will just happen. But to us, it's almost been the opposite. We focus so much on relationship that the results have just seemed to follow, that we really haven't put a ton of fine tuning into a lot, lot of the minutiae of things that probably could get bigger results. But the fact that people love being there, we have such a low turnover rate that that's gotten us where we've where we've been and helped us to grow at the the pace that we have that people are such high producing individuals, just based on the pure love of being there being on the team, that they're 10xers is what we refer, refer to them as that we run, we have 30 people on our staff, almost, and we service over 30,000 organizations, which is huge, like, that's a really fun thing to be. Um, so even for example, right now, we're looking to potentially move to a new office space and in, in, and in evaluating potential office configuration, you know, I mentioned before how we sit at a big farm table and we were considering like, hey, it could actually help, you know, you get tempted in, at moments to say, maybe we should kind of break people off into these little individual, not cubicles, but little workstations, you know, it, we'd probably be way more productive because we do spend it A decent amount of the day chatting and talking when really we could be working and then in thinking it through more it's we wouldn't be willing to sacrifice the relationship that is built in those moments for a little bit more productivity because we believe in the long run the level of productivity that'll come based on just people having enjoyment in the office is, is more important to us so the level of enjoyment is more important to us than the result because the results will come as people are enjoying what they're doing.
0: Let me switch gears a little bit towards the topic of motivation. When I see people work with you, they have a different motivation towards work, which is software. And this is a job. Like You you know the stereotypical person who hates uh, what they do, and we have these non-technical people serving in technical capacities, and they're highly motivated. Do you recognize or see different ingredients to work that make people more motivated in the task that they do, whether it's writing code or servicing customer support requests or writing blogs, ingredients that make people more motivated than maybe not?
1: That's a good question. So when we often hire people on, you know, they're often hired onto a specific team. So whether it's our customer support team or a development team or Blog product team whatever that looks like and usually there are you know generally day-to-day like i'm feeling helping our customers be more awesome Um, but what we do is we help to provide what we we just call it project time but some companies call it blue sky time or free time whatever you want to do that that it gives them space and time to work on anything else that they feel could further contribute to the company or that fulfills them in in, outside of what their day-to-day role is so someone might be on our support crew and they come and say hey i would love to further delight our customers like it'd be so fun to sound that send them outrageous gifts you know every month to some of our top clients and our answer is often awesome go for it you know we'd love to we love to invite ideas opportunities if they see a hole in the company that they would love to fulfill we love to try to provide that space and time for them to do that and we've also seen it where you know some of our team members will come from former corporate jobs or more regulated jobs and they come in with us and we don't micromanage. We we often say how oh, we don't have any managers or really bosses to, to a degree. Um, and they come in and, and they're so used to being micromanaged and in every little task that they do that they're almost uncomfortable at first of what do I do here? You know, you didn't set me a, a minute by minute schedule or task list for the entire day. And But then as they kind of grow more in with the company and put roots in and, and settle in, they start to feel comfortable in that freedom that they'd almost, when they first come in, they'd almost rather be over-regulated and told what to do than to have freedom to make their own decisions. And we really just try to empower people through that. And we believe people are less likely to rebel against the rules than they are to take advantage of the freedoms. And so that's something we've, really tried to invest in our company and it's one of our core values that we give the freedom that you have our trust and we just trust that you're going to honor that and not not dishonor it in any way
0: that's so awesome so really it's all about empowerment from what you've kind of described as far as having freedom you have uh you have autonomy you're in charge your ideas are valued like this entire empowerment kind of atmosphere that you provide to people and what what do people give that in return when they feel empowered what's usually the result do, do people fail do people get scared about it like how do they react when they're empowered to the degree that you empower them
1: yeah I mean sometimes like sometimes people will, I mean I do it often too you know I'm, I'm often throwing out these ideas we should do this and try this and I rally the whole team around it and then it It totally crashes and burns, you know, but that's something that's so unique about our crew, too, is that people will will volley these ideas and we're always up to try it. So, hey, let's let's give it a whirl, you know, and people are willing to be flexible and resilient in those different ways and switch gears if need be that we just try to keep really open communication. Like just this last week, we rolled out some brand new flows from someone who's been on our team a very short amount of time. And I think it's, it's also a growth in testament to people who are on our team who have been there a long time because it can be really easy to want to hold on tight to the way things always been done, but then also having this balance of, okay, I'm open to input and I'm open to kind of challenging the way that we've always done it or the norm. And so far, it's been having amazing results. And it's because the only reason it's having amazing results is because our entire team of our support crew was willing to jump on board and try something new. And so that's not always easy for people and or anyone, you know, to try something new. It can be scary. It's, it has a learning curve. But so far, we've seen great success just over time of being willing to have that kind of resiliency with us and, and open mindedness.
0: Are there any leadership lessons you've learned over the the years that you think are, wow, these were amazing lessons for me that helped form me and shape me for who you have become?
1: So I feel as a leader, you need to be confident, but you need to not be so set in your ways that you're not open to input. Because for us, for example, everyone on our team is amazing and they see things that I don't see. And they helped me actually this last year with my own time management. You know, that it, it could be a temptation for me to just wanna charge more than I should, you know, even after hours or whatever. And they helped to reel me back in and say, Ash, you know, you have a family, you have a kid, you know, like. You should set some healthier boundaries for yourself and to be willing to take that kind of input from from your team i think is really important and it values them that they have a voice that they can share whatever they want and that it's going to be received well Uh, but i also love learning from leaders and leaders who have gone before me leaders who have made great decisions leaders who have made not great decisions um, because i'd love to not replicate the same bad choices that they've made and i actually feel like it's honoring to them to take what they've done right or for better or worse. And, you know, maybe go a different route if it was for the worse.
0: Speaking of input, you are unafraid of critical input about your life. How on earth did you develop that? And why are you that way?
1: I think I just got to a point where I just really, I t- in order to get to the next level, it had to happen. So I had learned as much as I felt that, you know, maybe in, in any certain area, like I think, feel like I'm doing really great, but other people, it's become obvious to me that people can see things in my life that I can't see. And so as painful as it can be in the moment to hear those things and, and cringeworthy, it can be that I welcome that. And I trust the people around me to share that type of information and know that they have my best interest at heart, the team's best interest at heart, because if any of us grow, our team's going to grow together. And so it's going to influence you know everything that's happening across across our staff.
0: So on that, how does someone give constructive feedback that doesn't hurt and harm? Like I can't just say you suck. <laughs> you know, there, there's almost an art to productive criticism that one can give and receive. Do you do you recognize things that make that good or hurtful or harmful? How do you uh, and both in giving it, you know, to other people you lead, but um, talk about like the the negative or Corrective feedback and how it, it cannot hurt in the process.
1: Yeah, I think if you have a pattern of often building people up and encouraging people and calling out the best in them, that that's the majority of what you're doing. That when there come the times that you need to, you know, help someone re- redirect them or correct a different, a certain situation, that there's grace in that moment and that you've built enough rapport for them and they, you've set the groundwork that you have their best interest at heart, that whatever feedback's being given, it's like, okay, you know, I can take this maybe like one piece of of not criticism, but correction in the midst of like all this other encouragement that's taken place. Um, and oftentimes I help, you know, if there's something that needs to be corrected, we kind of work with it together of, okay, what does this look like to make it better? It's not just like, hey, you messed up here, figure it out, you know, and you just kind of leave them on their own. It's like, hey, you know, I noticed this was happening and you don't get you know, all about yourself and how it's making me feel and all this stuff, but just kind of more straightforward of like, here's what happened. Here's what I saw. The result was, you know, what do you think about that? And I almost let them kind of lead there of recognizing, was this the right choice or not right choice? And then we just kind of walk through it together. And sometimes it's like on a walk, so it doesn't have to be as intense, you know, sitting at a table if it doesn't need to be. Um, and then just say, Hey, let's follow up and talk about this later. If there's more things to address, you know, as it goes, um, And even something I was learning recently is talking with our team of what, what things do you want to be, you know, maybe like not evaluated, but like, what areas do you want to grow in and kind of just see, do they even recognize certain things in themselves before we even have to go there? And does that invite and open the conversation to like, all right, cool, let's work on this, this area, you know? Um, And I want to be like that as well. Like, Hey, I'd love to work in these different areas team like if you see me doing this you have my permission to to bring it up and address it
0: that's really empowering to say you have my permission to bring it up that helps really for people to see a way to access you if they see something that's not productive or helpful to them
1: and sometimes too people see conflict as a big red flag or scary and you know even not that long ago couple of our team members were you know having conflict in the office and it's just it's not super common so some people were like oh this feels weird you know but when I saw it I it was very bizarre even for myself because I walked in the office and I heard it happening and I just had like this big grin on my face and later I followed up with them and I, I just asked hey did you guys get the result you were looking for in that conversation and they were like no you know <laughs> so I'm like all right cool let's go grab coffee so we walk over and we grab coffee and she's like, what is the result? You know, what, what is the solution you were hoping for from the conversation? And then ask the other person, like, what was the solution you were looking for? And they were, they kind of had different ideas of what they were trying to get to. And so I just let them know like, Hey, I totally invite this type of dialogue. You know, if there's, if you guys feel so passionately to stand up for this, you know, to someone else on the team, like I invite that. Cause that's exciting that you care. You're not just going to roll over and just let it keep going. But the goal behind this is if when we do do this, we need to figure out a healthy way to execute it. So we we maintain relationship. We get you know on a better side of this and just letting it build resentment or annoyance there. So that was that was really fun to work through. And I'm still learning in that area, too. Um, but that's something that I think is builds a really healthy culture. To be able to address things, share your opinion, have it be received and not just like stonewalled. And just, you know, whether you end up on the same page or not, that you at least felt heard and understood and that we can get to a result because of it.
0: Have you experienced poor leadership or served under poor leadership? And what was that like?
1: Yeah, I'd say the most often that I've seen and experienced poor leadership is when they you just. When us under that leader just didn't feel like they cared about us at all. I I keep going back to the caring about us, but that they were really results driven and that they were actually really good at giving the impression that they cared about us, but there's not, I don't know. And if there is, I don't know how to explain it, but there's no five-step process to teaching someone how to care, you know, necessarily. <laughs>
0: Step one, care. Step yeah. two, care. <laughs> <Yeah>. Step three. <laughs>
1: it's like all the marriage books. We're joking in the office how all the marriage books are like, just listen, you know, just be nice to your husband or whatever. I don't know. They get so cheesy, but, um, it's always come back to feeling like the leader didn't care about us as people that we were just a means to their end and that you just kind of feel in the dark you know you don't have any empowerment if you're in meetings you can't speak up you know that you're kind of just there to do the grunt work and then go home that there's no relationship there's no team feel and i think leaders can manufacture it to a degree But soon enough, people catch on and they're going to feel that. And it's only going to last so long. That character of the leader is going to far outlast any skill or, you know, um, ability that they might have and can kind of lead you along long enough. But then it's going to it's going to fade.
0: There was a situation where somebody you worked with went through a really painful situation and you helped. The rest of the team members kind of rally and do something that's really meaningful um, to that person can you talk about that a little bit
1: yeah so we had someone go through a pretty painful time and experience in our office and since we know people in their lives outside the office we were able to identify what was going on and we were invited into the conversation we were invited into their walk with that and since our whole team cares so deeply about each other we decided to put together you know, a video and, um, and just all share kind of some love for that person. You know, they had taken some time out of the office and we all just got on camera. We have an amazing video team and amazing people. So we just wanted to share some love for them and say, Hey, we miss you and take as much time as you need. And I think it was really communicated to that person that you can be out as long as you need to take that. There's no obligation here. Our team's going to fill, it's a big hole to fill for you but like that's no stress on us we're willing to do that for as long as we need to and the, the whole goal behind that was just for that person really to feel love and appreciation and just how much we miss them and just not out of a guilt place but out of we genuinely care about you and you mean a lot to us as a fan like kind of web connects family and we also did this really fun thing around Christmas time where we gave $300 to every single one of our team members and. We called it kind of miracle money. So we encouraged people to be the miracle for someone in their life. That if they were in the grocery store and saw someone who needed, you know, maybe it was a single mom with a bunch of children who couldn't cover their bill, you know, they could cover that. Someone on our team actually had an experience like that, which was really amazing. Um, and then, you know, there were there are a few people who maybe didn't didn't encounter an opportunity to bless someone with that money. And so, everyone on the team who hadn't given out their miracle money yet, we pulled it all together. And send it in a check. And at the end of the video, we said, "Hey, be checking the mail because we have a gift sending your way." And we were able to bless this person with, you know, a decent amount of money, just to whatever we use it on whatever they wanted. Whether it was go take a trip and just go relax, get their mind off of things, and and I think that really hit home and hit their heart in that moment too.
0: It's so inspiring. Well, Ash, this has been super fun. I love talking about leadership. I have so many other questions for you and topics. But any final kind of thoughts r- remaining with you within leadership or things that you want to get people to take away?
1: Yeah, kind of how we started this conversation of, you know, people go into leadership, maybe with the wrong motives, and that it really at the core of it starts at kind of what's your mindset of what leadership is and kind of what's your heart position towards the people that you're leading? Are you looking at them just to get your results? Or are you looking to, you know, build a relationship with those people so that they can help, you know, I think Craig Rochelle says, um, you know, build your team and they'll be what builds your company. So if that's ultimately what what your goal is, you know, you need to start in the right place and don't start in the inverse. Um, And he talks a lot about, which has been really impactful for me in my leadership is intention versus impact. And so you know, people might have the intention of building their company, but they're starting with the results and their attention, you know, might be well, you know, but the impact of that is totally having the reverse results of what they're looking for. Um, and so really it boils down to great leadership starts with great relationship. And so if you can start there and building relationship with your team, that it might feel like you're not being productive. And, um, you know, that that's even hard for me at times that I can get in this hamster wheel, just wanting to sit at my computer and, and crank out, result driven things, you know, but really taking myself away from the computer and go playing a game of ping pong or go on a walk and help build that relationship with our team. And ultimately that's, that's where my heart is. And that's what I love about what I do every day that I get to build that relationship with all the different people on our team. So really going back to great leadership starts with great relationship.
0: Awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks again for listening to the Epic Life Podcast. If you wanna be the first to know when a next episode is available, we can text you a link to it. All you need to do is just text your name to the number 916-246-2468. And then after subscribing, reply with the word podcast. Again, you're gonna text your name into this number, which is 916-246-2468. You see it kinda just skips there by two. So text your name there, and then after subscribing, reply with the word podcast, and then we'll text you as soon as the one's available. If you happen to be in the Northern California region, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings where people from all over the area and the region come together for a night of food, friends, worship, teaching. It's so much fun. And so you can grab free tickets there for our upcoming gathering by going to epiclife.org slash tickets. And wherever you are in your faith journey, We just invite you to get connected with us, to grow, to create, to give, and to lead. We believe that you were made to change the world. And so you can learn more about what we are doing or what our community is doing at epiclife.org. We'll see you next time.